It's a pleasure to um, announce Tor Stavlen, Norwegian uh, essayist, um, and he has a uh, uh, he's here to talk about the mythological binds between uh, music and milk. And uh, there's a book coming out, I believe, later this month on this um, subject, uh, which I'm sure he will uh, mention. And um, give a warm welcome to Tore Stavlen. Thanks. Thank. Hey. Uh, I will do this in English, um, just for the fun of it, really. Uh, this handsome man uh, about to take a bath here is my grandfather. He was a dairy manager, uh, so was his father, and so was his son, uh, my father. Me, I didn't follow that trade I, as I became absorbed in music and uh, literature. But there's milk to be found there, too. And I have on the matter, as uh, Anne Hilde said, written a book about it, titled uh, Melk en Romodyssee, or as in English, Milk, a Space Odyssey. Uh, it's uh, released um, uh, next week. Um, <coughs> so what you now will get is an off-piste journey through the cultural history of milk with a gravitation towards the templates of the term milky disco as it kind of is the latest constitution of some universal, uh, universal qualities in, uh, in the human culture. So, milk. As it gets the mammal infants uh, through the first stages of life, it is the most important nutrient provided by the nature itself. With that fact in mind, it should not be hard to see why milk also is one of the basic metaphors in the human culture. With its white, thick flow and expressive splash, it contains a multiple of connotations that goes far beyond the idea of milk as just a drink. There is a milk's mythology, a milk's cosmology, a milk's eroticism, There's, there is milk as life-giving elixir, elixir, and milk as deadly poison, its nature and culture. And the words milky and disco contain more than just their primary meanings connotation which effectively get activated when combined. In comparison to, out, to the outerly gaze of uh, other genre tags, also, of, also often combined with disco, like cosmic and space, milk is closer to the human body. It is intimate and sensitive and um, much more visual. It carries the dichotomy of life, the external outwardness, of the cosmic as well as the intimacy of body fluids, doubly punctuated by the flat, repetitive rhythms and catchy melodies of disco music. There is both the flow and the gravity. So we might as well start with the Milky Way. The galaxy. A word, galaxy is a word derived from the Greek word for milk, gala. So the old Greeks thought that, um, that um, <coughs> The stars was a herd of cows, and uh, the blue shimmer on the sky was the milk spilled from uh, these uh, cows. So rather naturally, uh, milk is an ingredient in several creations. In the mythology of the African Fulani people, we have the world created out of a drop of milk. According to the Nepal Tamang people, there was at the beginning of time a great fire. Just when the fire was about to swallow everything, it was taken out by the milk from the breasts of twelve goddesses. 
If the milk had not uh, taken out the fire, life would not have evolved on earth. And in Hinduism, milk and divinity is tightly knitted together. In the Holy Scripture, Bhagavad Gita, we find the legend of the sea of milk that the gods have to churn to keep their mortality. And <coughs> also in uh, Norse mythology, we have the story of the first living being, Jotnen Yme, created out of ice and frost. And the next living creature was a cow, Audhumbla, also created out of the ice. The cow, Audhumbla, let Yme suck milk from her udders, as you see here. And from the armpits of Yme came small creatures, Jotnene, which populated the world, all of whom which got to drink milk from Audhumbla. So you get the point. In the beginning, there was milk. <laughs> and <coughs> as long as there has been agriculture, animal milk has been uh, an important nutrient. Not only from cows, but also from uh, horses, goats, sheep, asses, moschus, reindeer, camels, and so on. But as mankind got more situated, the cow singled out as uh, the preferred animal for milk production. With its calm nature, it was the easiest animal to administrate. <laughs> and Norwegians drink a lot of milk. It is what French critic Roland Barthes would call our totem drink. With its calm, white, lucid qualities, the equal of rea reality, milk is a token of strength, Barthes wrote. And these qualities we tend to like to show off. For example, through the aggressive marketing campaigns of the dairy industry, that often follow big sports events. It tends to be a bit one-dimensional, though. It is not, <coughs> if not also, a little too much focus on mainstream middle-class values, like this. As a prerequisite for this milk-drinking habit, uh, also beyond the infantile phases of life, lies a genetic disposition. We, have, we Northerners have uh, the so-called milk gene, which predisposes for digesting cow milk without abdominal complications, or inflated stomach, as one says. Lactose intolerance, it is called, when one cannot digest milk sugar. And it's a state that counts 70% of the population of the Earth, especially common for people in Asia, Africa, and Southern Europe. Therefore, it is more correct to say that white Northerners in Europe and America are lactose tolerant than that the rest of the world is intolerant. This means that in most parts of the world, milk is not drunk as we drink it here. For intake of calcium, which is an um, important nutrient in milk, one rather eats cheese or yogurt, products that consist uh, of a smaller amount of lactose than milk. Milk, therefore, is not for everyone. For example, has uh, lactose intolerance become a topic in American hip-hop? <coughs> Not strange as 70% of the Afro-American population is lactose intolerant. Stickman here from Dead Press articulates himself like this on the track Dirty White Girl. I'm lactose intolerant, intolerant. I'm not buying it, I don't swallow it, I'm not fooled by your white power politics. Since it is the northern white population who mainly drink milk, milk has become a symbol of the white elite. I'm, mm -hmm. <coughs> I'm sucker-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, until we're free, underpins M1. 
it is understandable, the branding and marketing campaigns of the dairy industry tends to be a bit overwhelming in its focus on countryside romantics and white and middle-class values. Roland Barthes wrote that uh, milk is the true anti-wine, the antithesis to alcohol even. Where wine is surgical and transcendental, milk is soothing and cosmetic. It covers and restores in its purity associated with the innocence of the child. This is true in a way, but it's not quite that black and white. Milk has also been an ingredient to party culture, both as strength tonic and for intoxication. The Mongolian hordes <coughs> of warlord Kublai Khan were the original milky disco dancers. In the 11th century, they produced a drink called Kumos, or Cosmos, as it also had been spelled, a kefir-like sour milk with a high percentage of ethanol. Marco Polo, who made friends with the Khan on his travels down the Silk Road, called this Comos for drink milk champagne because of its pearly quality. The result, an ex exaggerated party culture. First track, please. I keep drinking molten milk Trying to dry my blues, baby I keep drinking malted milk, trying to drive my blues away, sang Robert Johnson in 1937. He might have been mixing brandy in his milk, something not unusual in the southern states, milk punch they call it. John Lee Hooker elaborate. My nerve was so bad I couldn't rest, I couldn't sleep all night. So my doctor wrote me a description for milk, cream and alcohol. He sang, and it serves me right to suffer. Most likely, he got a little too much of it. At least the pub rockers in Dr. Feelgood felt that way. After a concert in 1978, where they had experienced a, bit, a little too tipsy John Lee Hooker, they wrote the song Milk and Alcohol in which they sang, main attraction, dead on his feet, they got him on milk and alcohol. The slack character, the dude, played by Jeff Bridges in Big Lebowski, is throughout the movie drinking variations of white Russian. A drink consisting of vodka mixed with Kahlua, milk or cream and ice cubes. <laughs> the inevitable question is, why does the dude drink? A possible answer is that he, as a war veteran, needs to ease his soul. The, dude, the dude's addiction to milky beverages might come of its healing, cosmetic effect combined with the transcendental possibilities of alcohol as a stoner, pacific defense against an aggression-hungry and nihilistic society. Milk is cosmetic, it joins, covers, restores, Roland Barthes wrote, the same qualities that made the Egyptian pharaoh Cleopatra, according to the legend, swear to do milk baths for keeping her skin young and beautiful. In the opening scene of Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, the film's main characters, Alex and his gang, relaxes in the Korova milk bar, each with a glass of milk, all dressed in white suits and black bowler hats with a twink... Bowler hats, yeah. With a twinkling smile, 
and an evil gaze. Alex watches over the venue. Over a synth version of Henry Purcell's music for funeral of Queen Mary, he informs about how the Korova milk bar serves milk plus. Milk containing a variety of chemical substances such as opiates, synthetic mescaline and the adrenaline-like adrenochrome, a mixture that sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of the old ultraviolence. The milk is tapped from the breasts from the interior from interior pieces shaped like female bodies in exploded poises, poses. Not without a certain sadomasochistic resonance. Everything bears witness to the hedonistic sex and violence that will get played out during the film, but also to the cosmetic cosmic connotations of milk. And Kubrick for sure was aware of this context. In a scene where Alex stroll around in the infamous Chelsea drugstore, with its futuristic facade and psychedelic interior, the album cover of Pink Floyd's Atom Heart Mother can be spotted on the shelf. You can see the back of the cow as the yeah by his album there. According to film trivia, Kubrick had wanted to use um, the opening fanfare of the title track to the film's opening scene, but received a rejection from the band because he demanded all rights to cut the music as needed. In another shelf is also the cover of the soundtrack to his previous film, the epic sci-fi drama 2001 and Space Odyssey. The number 2001 clearly visible with its characteristic thick typography. And again, up there on the high shelf, you see the back of the cow. No accidental objects here. And <coughs> here's the cow. The sound of the suit, <coughs> the sound of the suit, uh, Atom Heart Mother, with parts titled like uh, Mother 4 and Breast Milky is some milky disco prototype. Large keyboard chords and wordless choruses builds up the sound with guitar, bass and drums forming a rolling groove, all flowing like a stream of milk from the breasts of 12 goddesses, as mirrored in the sculptured furniture pieces in the Korova milk bar. Let's have a listen to, to a part of that. Atom Heart Mother, as developed by the British design agency Hypnosis, is fitting to the context. Showing a white and brown spotted Holstein Friesian type cow, the most common cow race within British dairy farming, it is a slightly ironic design for a band known for psychedelic music. Reportedly, it was an attempt to distance the band from the usual cosmic iconography of psychedelic rock, but also, in its own awkward way, appropriate as it is grounding the cosmic connotations of the music and provides it with a fitting intimate quality. Depicted from behind, <coughs> the cow looks towards the viewer with big, glassy and almost melancholic eyes. Between the powerful hind legs you see the other, 
the source of the life-giving white fluid, the Komos, the Cosmos, the Gala. The following year, the cover theme was continued on a bootleg of unreleased recordings, which not without humor was titled The Dark Side of the Moo. Melancholy, hedonism and cosmic introspection are key words here. These qualities are perfectly accentuated in the electronic disco masterpiece I Feel Love by Donna Summer and Giorgio Moroder, as released in 1977. The record cover even set with a picture of Summer with a nice bang reminiscent of Cleopatra, the milk-bathing pharaoh. Let's have a listen to that. You find the track? orientation point in the development of electronic music history. The track was the second radical result of the cooperation between Summer and Moroder together with the British guitarist Peter LaBelle. The first blast was the 17-minute track Love to Love You Baby, equipped with explicit serial orgiastic moans bordering on vulgarity. Made mainly with Moog modular synthesizer, I Feel Love was the first disco track produced without an orchestra. Instead, there was the throbbing and pulsating drum machine rhythms, functional and economic, overlaid with Summer's sensual singing, with her airy mezzo-soprano voice. Summer created a seductive, ethereal and erotic quality that became the blueprint for how the disco vocals should be. A live TV recording from 1977 shows how she combines her qualities as a virtuoso vocalist with erotic otherworldly effect. Dressed in a black sparkling palette dress and with blue colored eyelids lowered, she seems to be floating off somewhere out into the nebula, absorbed in the pleasure of a dream, which she expressed with rolling hypnotic arm movements. From her mouth, whose lips barely move, the open vowels flow in long and airy puffs. 
all to the effect, effect of the healing and soothing milky melancholia. Another record from 1977, also thriving on the templates of the milky disco term, is Deliverance by French electronic space gr uh, disco group Space. The music is mostly generic disco evolving around banal but poignant melodies, played with a stack of synthesizers. But the record comes with a double-sleeved cover set with an image of a woman floating weightlessly in the air over a desert landscape, naked beside, beside an astronaut helmet. On the, on the back it shows a milky white liquid apparently thrown into the air, like an abstract expressionist contrast to the monochrome surfaces of the brown rocky landscape and the clear blue sky. Again, a combination of the cosmic and the milky. Incidentally, this cover as Pink Floyd's Atom Heart model was produced by design agency Hypnosis. Should I short listen to Deliverance? Singer Latisha Sadier, both with the band British Space Age soaked pop group Stereolab and in her solo work, often activates the milk metaphor in her lyrics. Partly as a feminist approach and partly as a poetic play suited with the stellar visions of the sound. With titles such as Blue Milk and Come and Play in the Milky Night, we again have the combination of milk and space. Sadier maintain, maintains the metaphor in her solo work, like in the motherly title of The Milk of Human Tenderness. On another track she sings, milky smoke crawls in wanes and tides. I won't embark on any analysis, it is enough to register the words as some kind of poetic wordplay. Should we have a quick listen also to the Stereolab track Milky Night? some resemblances here in, uh, in the singing. Which leads us to the instrumental workouts on uh, various artists' compilation Milky Disco 123, compiled by John Tai, aka Milky Globe. Reportedly, it was an attempt to define and anchor the space disco movement in the mid-2000s, which found its cues in the cheesiness of Italian disco, the playful game of fusion jazz, and the motoric drive of crowd rock. The compilations presents a set of musical pieces, all driven by slender rhythms, overlaid with arpeggiated synthesizer figures that creates a comfortable and transcendent, tra transcendent atmosphere just as good for relaxation and long car trips as to excesses on the dance floor. What is funny though is that not all tracks on the Milky Disco compilation tangle the Milky Disco template as I see it at least. Some lack the melancholy, 
some are too insistent and some too upbeat. The tracks provided by Norwegian musician and producer Lindström fits the bill right though. What was that? This. Even more so, he does on uh, other tracks from his catalogue. For instance, the lengthy extensions of Where You Go, I Go Too, or Let's Practice with singer Sulale, which uses the summer Morado classic I Feel Love as a blueprint. Openly, it emphasizes the perfect fusion of eroticism and electronics on the original of the original and continues the hedonistic tension and sexual longing. Let's have a listen to that. Let's practice. by Lindström that touches the Milko Disco template exemplarly is the well-known I Feel Space, probably named with a reference to I Feel Love. With its wobbly synth bass, esoteric vocal and easy flowing melody lines, it has an uplifting feel to it. I won't play that, but the same can be said of Röyksop's poignantly titled Keyboard Milk from 2011. As I Feel Space, it builds around a heavy synth bass and high-flying harmonies, with its flight pushed even higher with the use of a synthetic choir, not without reminiscence to the spiritual choir of Atom Heart Mother, and with the title Keyboard Milk, so undeniably pinpointing the history of the sound. This is a fine underlining of all the previous. So let's have a quick listen to that. <laughs> free and non-binding the music flows, providing a pleasant and well-tempered surface on which all the world's challenges and problems just bounce off. A fitting contribution to the ongoing soundtracking of Western late capitalism. The carefree four-to-the-floor rhythm and fat harmonies glosses over what is difficult and complicated in society. It soothes and heals. Underneath it may though be experienced a certain melancholy, a touch of sweet tristesse in all the glamour and soft skin, like the dude 
but like the dude needs his white Russians, we all need our milky disco in any format. Maybe blues, psychedelic rock or space disco, as long as its comforting and healing qualities take effect. Thank you for listening.